friends. Welcome back to another episode of Dr. Me First. I'm always really excited to share episodes, but I'm thoroughly excited to share this episode with you. I am talking with my colleague, my friend, and uh, fellow coach, Dr. Melissa Hankins. She is a mindset and executive coach. She specifically does so much work about trauma and is becoming a national leader in this. She's a Harvard-trained psychiatrist, might I add, as well. She's the founder and CEO of Melissa Hankins Coaching, where she coaches physicians and other high performers who often look good on paper but are struggling on the outside. That doesn't sound familiar at all whatsoever. Dr. Hankin supports her clients in identifying and releasing all those limiting beliefs and those patterns that we've had that really don't serve us anymore and help them to rediscover and reconnect with their true selves so they can move forward and do their beautiful work in the world. In addition to owning her own organization, she also is faculty for the Academy of Creative Coaching, which is an ICF accredited coach training organization. And I know her well through Physician Coaching Alliance. She's one of the OGs that hangs out with me as well. So I'm so excited to introduce you in all of her different roles, but most importantly, her beautiful spirit. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Amazing Melissa Hankins. Yay, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm just, yeah, so happy to just be sharing this space with you and your listeners. And yeah. Yeah. So going back, I think you were one of those people that I found through the magic of the internet. I think I probably had sent you a message and said like, hey, do you want to come hang out with me? You seem like an awesome person. Uh, probably, probably talking over five or six years ago now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Time flies. Yes. It was, you know, just when you were starting to put together Physician Coaching Alliance. And, uh, and I feel like I wrote some sort of post. This was when you were kind of still on Facebook, not so much now. But, and you commented and I commented and we just kind of had this and you're like, hey, you know, I'm starting this, you know, Physician Coaching Alliance. Why don't you come up? And I'm like, yes, that sounds awesome. And so, yes, that's how we we started. Start of a beautiful thing. Well, tell the people out in podcasting world, because I read your bio in the intro, but tell them a little bit about yourself and, you know, the journey that has come through to get you to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So as as you mentioned in my bio, I am a Harvard trained psychiatrist. I worked in, you know, as a, clinically as a psychiatrist for oh geez, almost maybe 17 years or so. And I was going through my own burnout, you know, like so many of us, right? And trying to do all the things and be all the things and not just inside of work but also outside of work. And, and I think that kind of coming together or, you know, colliding together, if you will, it wasn't even, it wasn't coming, if it came together, it wouldn't have been a problem, but colliding and crashing together was really problematic. And so, you know, during, during that time, I was like so many of us trying to keep up with all the charting, trying to, you know, having an unending panel of patients that I was never allowed to close, all of these things. And in addition to that, 
I was just finding that the way I wanted to help people was no longer really aligned with how I have been taught, conditioned, told, if you will, to to help people as a psychiatrist. And so I was uh, I was really getting more into before it became a thing, more into mindfulness, more into these other kind of energy techniques, if you will, you know, I'm, I'm an EFT emotional freedom techniques tapping practitioner. So, so that was also becoming part of what I was doing. And, and so I was, I was growing in these ways that were beyond our kind of Western view of of medicine. And it was a square peg round hole, right? And it got to a point where when my son was four, it was the day after his fourth birthday, I remember, that I just, I was staying up until like 2, 3 a.m., trying to get everything done, close charts, finish, you know, messages, portal messages, trying to be the perfect mom and bake the cakes from scratch, you know, for my son's stuff, try to be there for my fiance. It was just, I, I couldn't do it. And the day after my son's fourth birthday, I remember having the thought that, you know, he would just be better off if I weren't around. Because I am just not being able to show up for him. I just, uh, he's, I'm disappointing him and I don't want to continue to do that. And at that point, I, I told my, my boss that, hey, I just needed to take an immediate medical leave. And what turned, what I thought was going to be a couple of weeks turned out to be 10 months before I resigned from that job. And, uh, and yeah, I started really pouring into me for the first time, really taking care of me, getting some therapy, getting, uh, and I had actually already started that, but getting coaching, learning about coaching more uh, in even kind of other spaces than just corporate spaces, and uh, really getting into my energy work and doing yoga and meditation and and this type of thing and and having my own EFT practitioner which really cleared a lot of my own traumas really and and it was really beneficial to me and that really kind of started my my journey of self-care and self-discovery and this was well over 10 years ago cuz your son now is a, a little man Yes, he is. He'll be 15. He'll be 15 next month, which, oh my God, he's now like three inches taller than me. It's scary. And so, so yeah, this was, this was a while ago. So this was before it was coaching for physicians was a thing. Yeah. Before it was mainstream. Right, right. And, and it was actually when I was pregnant with my son, I knew that I didn't want to stay in medicine forever. Something just kind of told me. And I got certified as an executive coach at that point. Like I was, you know, going to this program for, I don't know, it was like a 12, 18 month program after work, after working full time, I would go and, and in this brick and mortar place in, in Massachusetts, uh, it was Mass School of Professional Psychology at the time. And, and um, now William James College, but but yeah, so I knew then. And and during that time that I took that medical leave, I knew that I wanted to do something to do with coaching and, and I wanted to do something with EFT. 
And yet I was still afraid to out myself because it was very woo then. It's still considered woo to, uh, you know, some extent, but there's more evidence behind it, more, you know, studies, research, and, and all of that. And so it was, it was a, a journey that I eventually went back to another job, a clinical psychiatry job, but I started to out myself as an EFT practitioner. I, I would bring that into my clinical work. And then some of the staff would ask, they'd see these amazing transformations actually with, with patients. And they said, hey, can we get some of that? We want some of that. Can you do some of that with us? So I started to do lunch and learns and, and just kind of lunch meetings around overwhelm. We did group tapping, you know, all of the stuff. And then people started to approach me for one-on-one work. And so I did a combination of EFT and coaching or straight up EFT. And yeah, and that's kind of how I eventually transitioned into doing that full-time and, and and leaving clinical medicine. Yeah, and I remember the first couple times that you kind of came out in the internet space. You know, it wasn't just the word of mouth, but it was actually like saying, hello, I'm Dr. Hankins, and I'm a, a tapping coach. I'm a tapping yeah. physician. And I remember those conversations because I get to see this a lot with people who really like embrace their weird and they really stand in it and then how amazing things grow and flourish from all of that. So I'm so glad that you rooted in and you said, you know what? Yeah, I'm Harvard trained, but I got a little, I got a little extra going on in here as well. Yes. Embrace the extra because that's who we really are. You know, got to own it. And we were sitting around recently last fall at the Physician Coaching Alliance annual retreat. And I brought up over dinner, the was like, I think the first or second night about how I really have felt very strongly the more people I've worked with in year after year after year, that we really have to start clearing trauma as physicians for ourselves. You know, we talked a little bit about ACEs score that adverse childhood events, you know, and I shared with the group that I have a very high ACEs score. And so that was, you know, the main reason that we wanted to have this conversation recorded was because you being really the trauma expert, I'll be very honest about with your psychiatry background and with all the additional trainings and now with your, the extra training that you're doing and providing and speaking about around trauma. I really wanted to it's selfish, but I really wanted to pick your brain to see if my <laughs> theories are are accurate or not. Absolutely. But one of the things I see, and this is where I want to start, but we can then jump off of it, is when I'm working with folks in burnout, they know they've got to make changes, but there's so much guilt around leaving. I have really started to name it trauma bonding because we went through training together. We've went through really hard times together as colleagues or as medical teams. And we've not properly identified that those really are trauma bonds. We all went through COVID together. And, you know, we talk about, you know, almost as like band of brothers, wartime situations. Does that seem accurate yeah. to you or am I sensationalizing things? No, I don't think you're sensationalizing at all. I think that there is a real rooting of trauma in being a physician, becoming a physician and working as a physician. And certainly, oh my God, yes, through COVID, 
Hell yes. And so all of that is is very prevalent. And we are also taught and conditioned as physicians to stuff it down. We stuff it down, stuff it down, stuff it down. And you can't stuff it down to a point. I mean, uh, and and still function as a human being and 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 feel connected. And so the way I look at it with with trauma and trauma bonding, I view it slightly differently in the sense that I think what that kind of band of brothers uh, that you're talking about in the trenches kind of we're bonding over a shared trauma, which is slightly different than trauma bonding itself, because trauma bonding is is more where the abused is bonding with the abuser. So I do think there is... I think there's something to that, exactly, though. Exactly. I was just going to say, I do think there is an, a space for that, absolutely, in medicine, because the way I look at it is the abuser is often, you know, the healthcare organization or, or even attendings, uh, senior attendings over, over residents, uh, you know, because I've always likened it to this abusive parent and um, abused child kind of dynamic, you know? Absolutely. And, and so really being able to connect around that and having that bonding around a shared traumatic experience helps us to feel not alone, which is one of the hallmarks of trauma. You feel isolated. You feel, you know, alone. You feel like you have no no resources to actually get out of the trauma. And and all of that is very true within the scope of medicine as a physician. We we feel like, oh my gosh, you know, we have so much debt, we can't, we we have to stay in it. You know, there's or we've been you we've dedicated all of our adult lives. We we often view it mistakenly as this one type of thing that we're learning and that is not applicable to anything outside of medicine, which is not true, but that's how we're often thinking about things. I want to pick up on that resident attending power dynamic, Mm -hmm. because at the time when I was going through training, it was just the way it was. I was that generation that they had just put in the duty hour rules and, and, you know, and there's a lot of grumbling about like, well, that's not what we did and, you know, that kind of thing. And I think about it now, I, I think I had very few attendings who maliciously inflicted pain, suffering, trauma onto the learners. But I think there's a lot of unintended trauma that... I myself know and experience now, and I'm not judging my my training program. Um, I think they prepared me, but I think there's, it's almost like if you're going to do this, you are going to be traumatized. And I don't, I don't think I knew that going into it. That might not be a very eloquent way of, of saying it, but can you speak to like learner trauma, trainer trauma? Yes, yes, absolutely. I do agree with you, Erin. I think that, that, the majority of attendings are are not being malicious about it. They're not consciously inflicting trauma, but this is what they knew. This is, if you will, they came by it honestly, so to speak, you know, this is what they grew up in. This is what they were trained in. And, and so I think there's 
almost a sense, and even if it's somewhat warped, um, this sense of, but no, we have to make it hard on you because we need to make sure that you're strong enough to deal with everything that's coming down the line. You know, you as this newbie medical student or you as this newbie resident or even felt, you know, you need to know how hard it really is and it's better that I do it. You know, it's kind of, once again, that kind of parent-child dynamic of like, no, 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 you don't know how hard life is out there. Let me show you so that I prepare you and I'm doing this. I'm hurting you with love. You know, this is coming from a place of love, smack. This is, you know, kind of, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) And in that, as students, as residents, especially, you know, we are caught in this dynamic of, oh my God, I am in this very foreign place of, I don't want to kill anybody. I don't want to hurt any of my patients. So I am completely reliant on these elders, you know, the the elder generation, the faculty and all of that. And so I need to do what they're telling me to do. And I just have to put up with however it's coming across just so I can survive and get through on the other side without hurting or killing anyone. Yeah, I think that's really true. So we have both sides of the spectrum here. We have attendings and we also have learners, medical students, residents, fellows. Let's start with the attending side. What's your what's your thought on how we can do better? Yeah, I think oftentimes what our our, our behaviors are for whether it's in, in the work setting or even, you know, uh, personally, but our our behaviors are mostly unconscious. Like, so, so as attendings, it really is important for us to make the unconscious conscious. And what I mean by that is really paying attention, start paying attention to our behaviors and how we're showing up. And and noticing that, hmm, that that doesn't actually feel so great, you know. And and so one of the things that I'm really I work with people around is getting in touch with their emotions because emotions are messengers. I mean, that's one of our big signaling systems that, hey, something is kind of out of balance here, out of whack. And so as attendings, when when maybe we we do something or say something that is harsh or abusive or in in some way demeaning or belittling that we work on catching ourselves when we're doing that and say hey you know i didn't i didn't really like that when it happened to me and i have the opportunity to do better and this yeah. and and starting to unravel the the conditioning that says this is the only way the only path to become a physician yeah i think that's great my thought that i wrote down as you were talking was you know taking care of our own shit so it doesn't roll down here yes. you know it really is like you said like because i feel like looking back now the belittling the shaming the guilting the fear was coming from a place in my attending that they had not attended to themselves. Yes, absolutely. I agree 10,000%. Scream it from the hilltops. <laughs> yes. 
So let's talk about the the learners, the residents, the fellows, the students. And this is hard, like, because it is a power dynamic situation. Let's just be perfectly honest. But what can these folks do when it comes to a situation? Because I think sometimes in the moment, like, you know, you just got smacked upside the head verbally or however, and you're kind of like in shock. At least that's, and now, you know, I'd get mad about it a couple hours later, a couple days later, or I'd hear somebody else say, oh man, this happened to me. And I think, yeah, that happened to me too. You know, was that right? What what can we do to, for those, those guys that are going through it right now? Because I know they can't like cause anarchy and like burn the hospital down, even though. You might want to. You know, <laughs> yeah. But what, what would be your advice for them? Because it is a really hard, sticky situation to both say, hey, that that bothers me. When you said this, I felt embarrassed, ashamed, belittled in a system that still doesn't recognize, you know, resident input, but yet they need to be true themselves in those situations and, and voice that what is happening to them. Yes. So what's your thoughts, Miss Trauma Expert? Yes. So, you know, a few things. You're absolutely right. There's the the power dynamic is really tricky to navigate there. And and so one of the things that's important is to find people, connect with people, find spaces where you can reality test and real get get a check in reality and say, you know, am I really this horrible? You know, I don't think I am, but, and so, and when I say spaces like that, it may be finding one or two other residents or trainees that you can at least start to connect with and feel like, yeah, I'm not all this. I'm not bad. I'm not doing the wrong thing. I'm not, I'm not crazy. You saw that happen, right? (laughs) You know, kind of thing. So, so to start to connect with others because connection is one of the antidotes to trauma because once again trauma is very isolating and we feel very shameful especially as physicians many of us are so perfectionistic that we feel like if there's anything that says otherwise that that causes us to go inward even more so that's one thing start to if you if you notice that there's someone that you feel connected to within your program or even if it's a friend outside or somebody and if it's not that then a therapist or a coach somebody where you can get some more positive reinforcement is really important and then the other uh, the other piece is that yes, training programs are uh, and healthcare organizations as a whole are are still in entrenched in this kind of old school way of treating residents and attendings even and all of that. However, there is beginning to be a a shift. In that there is more that is out there and available, and that some of these programs are beginning to hear that. So, so it may be in addition to finding someone on the level of, you know, the resident or you know, trainee, that you identify a faculty person that 
can be a mentor or somebody, even if it's outside of your current rotation or something like that, but someone that you can speak to who's who is a faculty person. And even if you aren't feeling comfortable to report things to your program director, and and that's, you know, another level, you know, if you can, you know, do that, that's a really great thing too. But if you aren't at that space yet in terms of, you know, because of the fear factor, retaliation, all of that, begin to identify Um, spaces. And if you can't identify a space within your program, start to find other outlets. At this point, there are physician coaches who work with residents, who work with attendings, who offer free resources, who offer um, discounted resources. You know, I encourage people to journal. You know, you can even write, uh, you know, and submit things to Kevin MD or things like that. It's something to help you voice what you're experiencing. So don't sit with it alone. That's the main thing. Do not sit and let it grow because it becomes this huge monster that feels impossible to slay. So when you share it with others, it breaks it down and brings it down to size. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. One thing I think is so important, I wish I had done. I have found some of the things that I wrote down during residency, but I wish I would have wrote a lot more. And one way is getting those feelings out. But the other thing is, too, that when it it does become apparent that you need to involve your program director, or, you know, some higher levels, then it's not he said, she said. It's like, no, these were the details on these days to give you some added legitimacy because unfortunately in this day and age, we still have to. Yes. Yes. You know, so, so I, I love that having your own kind of journal where you write down these things and label your incident journal or your, you know, you know, this is bullshit journal or whatever it is, you know, and training bullshit that I went through today kind of thing. And then, you know, put it down. And once you have a space to deposit, it, then allow yourself to connect with things that feel energizing and supporting and nurturing. Whether find whatever does that for you. Maybe go for a walk, listen to music, you know, hang out with friends, something that helps you connect with, oh my gosh, I'm not just this, you know, physician who has been told I'm not good enough because you are good enough. And first and foremost, always know that you are enough just as you are. friend. So my word of the year for 2023 is going to be slacking for two reasons. One, I am really going to pull back the throttle in 2023 and see what life is like when I just do enough, not extra, not overboard, not overworking, burning myself out, burning candle at both ends, slacking, something I don't think I've really ever done my entire life. I'm excited about it, but I'm also worried, of course, (laughs) the classic OCD overworker, how this is going to be. The other reason that Slack is going to be my word in 2023 
is that's where I'm going to hang out. You're not going to see me in a lot of new places. I'm just going to be waiting for you in my DMs on Slack. Yeah, I'll probably occasionally post on Instagram and still send out a few emails. But you're going to see a change in Burnt Out to Badass and Dr. Me First. You're going to just see me waiting willingly and quietly in the corner for those who are ready for help. No more blasting lots of advertisements and marketing and pushing people. When you're ready, you'll come and we're going to see how it goes. So there you go. That's my word for the year. How about you? Have you picked a word? I'd love to hear about it. Send me an email. Better yet, send me a DM in Slack. Or maybe you want to join me and let's make this the year of slacking. All right, friend. Remember, if work is your drug, rest is your recovery. Come over and hang out with Slack and me and start slacking off a little bit in life. Friends, we had such a great conversation that I am going to cut it off here. So this will be part one with Dr. Melissa Hankins. And next week, I will release part two, which is just as great. So stick around on your podcast listeners wherever you listen. And I just want to remind you too, like she encouraged us all, isolation is the result of trauma. It results in burnout, depression, and so many other negative connotations in our life. I want to remind you, the Badass Slack group is free, it's open, and it's totally for you. So remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. See ya! Heavy lids, one, two.